Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. And thank you for joining me. Today, a podcast with a difference. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited to make a presentation to the whole of Australian Government Communications Network. So effectively, what it is, is a gathering of all of the people who work in federal government departments and agencies in communications where they come together to discuss all sorts of uh, interesting innovations and, and trends and, and other matters relevant to the work of the government communicator. But I had the opportunity to speak to that particular group um, and thank you once again to the Communications Network for that opportunity. But today we are going to give you the full version of the speech that I made about content communication in government and the public sector. Uh, but for the moment, it's time to go to the presentation. Thanks once again for joining me. Tonight, before you go to sleep, after a long day of learning and listening and understanding, I want you to say the following four words to yourself as you put your head on your pillow. I am a publisher. I am a publisher. Because I know we who work in government public sector, we operate in the constraints and the processes of government, but when we strip everything away, all this talk about digital transformation and, and next generation and whatever else, that is the essence of what has happened to communication and the communication function. You are now in the publishing business. The gift of technology is exactly that. Because what's happened with technology is that it has democratised the factors of media distribution and production. So no longer do you have to buy ink in 44-gallon drums. You don't need flat, uh, fleets of trucks. You don't need printing presses. The gift of technology is that you are now in the publishing business. Now, understanding there are those constraints around government processes, approvals, risk-averse cultures and environments, but how are you, as communicators, going to use that gift of technology in order for you to tell the story of your policy, your program, your regulation or your service. This is one person who understands just how important your role is. Go through that. Arguably the first challenge. Not the second, not the third, not the fifth, not the twentieth, but the first challenge is to get the message out. That's your job. Carefully explaining. That's my emphasis, explaining, because, again, that is the role of the public sector communicator. You're not advocates. That's the job of the people on the hill and the politicians. But your job 
is to explain. The emerging challenges posed by globalisation, emerging technologies, etc., etc. So understanding that this is the opportunity, this is the priority. So how do we use technology to support the policies, programs, regulations and services of the elected governments of the day? Understanding that the leadership at the highest levels is saying that this is massively important. And we come together, as Heather just said before, around that APSC reform program, which is, again, looking at how do we change the way that we work in order for, for us to be able to be better able to tell those stories, to engage with people. But we also have that further change around the Thodi review, which is coming up as well. And again, if you go through the Thodi review, you can see that communication is going to be a big part of it, about are we fit for purpose? Are we going to be able to meet the challenges of the future? Do we have the skills in our organisations? Do we have the processes? Is there the culture? Do we have the trust of our leadership? All of these things are being reviewed by the Public Service Commission through their reform program and are going to get another going over. So this is happening now. This is in our time. Heather quite kindly pointed out that I've been around since Adam was a boy. So interestingly, this is this opportunity. This is this time now where we're going to have to look at the way we do our business. And we do it at a time when we've never had a better opportunity to be the storyteller on behalf of that policy program regulation or service. And I know there are challenges with policy people who say, sorry, it's all got to go in, and no, you can't change that. And by the way, here's 5,000 things to do, and yes, tomorrow will be fine. We'll get it out. I understand that. But this, what we're trying to do with this framework that we're going to introduce to you today is introduce a way of thinking and a process that can help you to be the little engine that can on a regular basis, who can get that story out, who can build that engagement in this massively transformed world in which we're working in at the moment. But the problem here in Australia is no different to anywhere else in the world. So WPP put out this research back in 2017 and it outlined pretty clearly what I would imagine is your reality. Government communication experts, that's you, are not involved in policy development, 85%. This is around the world. This isn't just in Canberra. This is around the world. In North America, South America, continental Europe, throughout Asia, here in Australia. 75% of government communication, the views of the citizen are not taken into account. 60% of government communication is one way and bureaucracy is the biggest hurdle. So the things that we need to improve... We need to build more trust. We need to put audiences at the centre of what we do. We need to have conversations two-way. We need to build platforms so people can talk to us, so we can talk to them. And again, I understand the complexity of the risk-averse environments in which you work, but understand these changes. And this is our task, is to be able to build frameworks and tools that help us to get into those conversations. We need different capabilities. We need to think about things differently. And finally, at the moment, communications, we simply don't 
have the influence that we need to have and that we will have in a few short years' time. That's our collective mission, is to get ourselves in there and get ourselves heard. Here's the Governor of the Reserve Bank, Glenn Stevens. A couple of years ago again, I know, but what he said there, have we built a platform for a public understanding of this massive change and transformation that's taking place? Answer is no. The Governor of the Reserve Bank is saying we don't have the tools in place to prosecute the ambition of the Prime Minister back two years ago as well. How do we get that story out? Arguably the first challenge. But is there a platform in place? Are there the skills in place for us to be able to deliver on that promise? And it has to be said, the WPP research tells us in Australia and around the world that we are not fit for purpose. So what is that big change? Going back to this point, yes, everyone can be the media. Massive change now that everyone is on the grid. Everyone is connected. Everyone is carrying that supercomputer in their pocket. So the people who you need to reach, influence and engage in order for you to communicate and explain the reasons for the policy, the program, the regulation or service, they're there. They are connected to you. How are you going to activate that communication? How are you going to earn a share of their attention? This notion of mobility is fundamental, it is powerful. As too is the emerging role of social. This wonderful ability for us to be able to connect, to be able to tell our stories thoughtfully, carefully, over time. It's never been easier, never been easier to create content. But at the same time, it's never been harder to earn a share of someone's attention. This is the battle. How are you going to get your content seen in front of somebody who's just about to flick onto Netflix and go and have a look at what's on there? Or what their auntie or uncle or cousin or friend or whoever else? That notion of inversion. We now behave differently as a result of this transformation. Previously, we used to listen to leaders in the analogue world and we waited and we, we respected and that's where we got our information from. We waited for news services. But the pyramid's been inverted. We get information from different sources. People behave differently. This is why we have to fundamentally change the way we go about our business if, in fact, we are going to be able to deliver on what the Prime Minister asked us for in that quote. Getting the message out carefully explaining. That is the job of the public sector communicator. But at the moment, the reality is we're the colouring in department. We're the end of the line. Make us that brochure. Get that video done. Write those blogs. Whatever it is, whatever you want to do, but just get it done and tomorrow will be great. No time to think strategically. No time to get on top of it. Very little respect in the process. That's where we live at the moment, and that's what the WPP research says, where we are at the moment. We have to get upstream. This is our challenge for communications, for strategic communications. We've got to get into the conversations at the beginning. We've got to be involved in those discussions. We have to get our policy colleagues to understand that there are people involved in their solutions. And we have to get them to understand and we have to get a seat at the table. We have to 
knock on the door and get involved so as to be able to get that consideration at the beginning of the process, not the end of the process. This is a, a sort of journey we've been on over the last few years, is to develop a process that will get us that credibility, that will get us that opportunity to have a credible evidence-based methodology that people will take notice of, because they have to, because it's the way of delivering what the Prime Minister needs. So content communication is a strategic, measurable and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. What we've done is to adapt the content marketing process, and you'll see that in Karen's uh, presentation coming up, where she speaks about content marketing. We've adapted the term marketing to communication because in government we found that marketing is not a great word. Nobody wants to go and stand in front of Senate estimates and defend marketing. Communication, yeah, okay, I can come at that. Marketing, ugh, don't want to know about it. So we changed the word, and it's funny. That, oh, the doors are, oh, okay, so communication, oh, we can talk about that. Marketing, oh, don't want to know about it, but there we go. So how do we run through this process? Okay, where does it start? Well, it starts with that very simple question of why. Why are we going to communicate? Why are we doing it? So often we find ourselves doing without asking that very simple question of why. We then go to the point of setting objectives. What are the business objectives, the policy, the program, the regulatory objectives that are in place that we as communicators are helping to enable. We have to be in the business of delivering business objectives. If we are not in the business of delivering business objectives and we can't demonstrate that we're delivering business objectives, that's when we get back to the colouring in department. Okay? That's when we go slide down on the snake all the way back to the beginning. We have to be able to communicate what we do in terms of solving business problems. We have to get the attention of the leadership. And what they're worried, worried about is what we have to be worried about. But this quite separate thing is what are our goals, our communication goals, because there are a whole lot of things that are going to impact on the success of a particular policy, service or regulation that we as communicators can't take full responsibility for. But what we can do is measure the behaviour and the impact that we are having as a result of our communication. So we look at that framework, that AMEC framework, which looks at outputs, that looks at outtakes, that looks at outcomes. We have to get much, much better at measuring our work. Because if we can get numbers, we can have a conversation because that's what people pay attention to at the highest levels. So as communicators, we have to take on that opportunity. So then what do we do? After we understand what the business objectives are, we understand what our goals are or what behaviour we're seeking to influence and encourage, we have to do our research and discovery. Okay? It could be something simple, it could be something large, depending on budgets, getting up out of your chair, going and speaking to people, finding old pieces of research, getting online case studies from other people who are relevant to you, but try to find as much information as you possibly can, which is going to help you to make those decisions around the communication channels and types that you're going to need to support that policy program and regulation. 
Ultimately, you have to have a great story. And I'll talk about that all the time, that we need to tell stories. And when we tell our stories, we need to find that piece, that intersection between what does the audience want to know and what do we want to tell them? Where's that sweet spot in the way that we tell our story? Audience is everything. Effective communication is about reception, not transmission. Reception, not transmission. We have to put ourselves and make ourselves accountable for how our information is received and the behaviours that we generate as a result of that communication. We can't just do stuff. So often in the past, we've done stuff. We've got to make sure that stuff now is related to business objectives, we have attached goals, and we've understood our audience. Because audience is everything. And to get to that understanding, we have to listen with the ear of the heart. That notion of empathy, of understanding the lives of the people who we're seeking to communicate with. What does their day look like? What pressures do they have? What times do they have? What channels do they get their information from? What themes resonate in that research and discovery? Try and understand your audience as best as you possibly can. And when you tell that story, reach in for the emotional piece of it. Often people say to me, oh, we're government communication, we can't be emotional. I don't agree. I do not agree. Find the piece of the story and find the area you can get to because facts may validate your position, but it is emotion that drives action. We know that. So if you don't take on the challenge of trying to frame your story in a way that is meaningful to your audience that you have discovered because you have thought about those people and you have got into their shoes, it's not going to work and it will not work. So once you've understood exactly that, we then get into the content business, that creation. So what type of content is it? Is it a video? Is it audio? Is it stills? Is it text? Is it graphics? Make those choices based on the needs of your audience, based on the budgets, based on the outputs of your research and discovery and your understanding of that audience. So then you've got offline channels. So much of what we do these days, people talk about online. And yes, online is so important, but people like to talk to people. And a big part of government communication is getting out in front of people and talking to them and understanding them and listening to them listening with the ear of the heart. So have those offline engagements. But then online, make sure you've got your website right. You've then got social. And third-party channels. This is something that's really fundamentally, I find, underlooked. And this is a great example. This is Landline, which is the farmer's television show, which comes up every Sunday afternoon at 12 o'clock. Every farmer in Australia sits down and watches the television. The Bureau of Meteorology produces a five-minute weather package for the farmers, because what are farmers interested in? They're interested in the weather. I don't know if any of you ever go to the land, but my father-in-law, that's all he ever asked me, talks to me about is, what's the weather? Did it rain? Did it not rain? That's what they care about. So you know what the Bureau of Meteorology did? They provide a five-minute package about the weather, and they hand it to Landline, and they get the Bureau's story in front of hundreds of thousands of farmers every month. Cost, donut, zero, production cost. Third parties. And when we're in the government business at this time of you know, conflict and decreasing trust and corporate social responsibility, 
There are so many people who want to help government. Imagine having a conversation with a bank at the moment. They'd do anything for you. They'd produce a television series if they, could, if they felt it was going to make them look better. <coughs> but then how do we sweep all this together then into an editorial calendar? What choices have we made? What online choices? What offline choices? What content types? What are we going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And if we don't have a lot of budget, what are we going to do Monday? Monday. Monday. We're in the publishing business, guys. Learn the lessons of the great publishers. Be reliable. The television news used to be on at 6 o'clock, not 5 past, not 5 to, not one day a week, every day of the week. We have a newsletter. We send it out at 2 p.m. on Tuesday every week because we respect our audience. We knock on the door and we say, here we go, there's something that we think is of value to you. We'll be back at the same time next week. Be consistent. Be a publisher. Do what you can do. I use the analogy of a juggler. You know, you don't go out there and try to juggle six balls immediately. How about you get one going first and then you get two and off you go after that. This notion of publishing, building trust with audiences over time and going to that point again about measuring performance. Absolutely fundamental and that's what the content communication framework is about is being able to grip all of these activities together in a single, coherent, logical, ordered way that will get us that seat at the table, that will get us at a time when this is quite of enormous amount of interest to senior policymakers. There's just a bit of an example of it, and we can send these slides out a bit later on and we can refer you to a whole lot of other stuff as well. Just quickly before I throw to Karen, who will be able to sort of show what DHS has been able to do in action um, with this particular process. But we've got two research projects. We've got some money out of the National Innovation Science Agenda the other year to be able to work with the ANU to build the evidence base underneath the poli the, this program, this framework that we've developed. And can I say, we're midway through this at the moment... And we would love you to be involved, and I'm going to put up a, a slide in a minute, and any one of your agencies is more than welcome to be involved as we continue to develop and, and process. We already have quite a few people uh, involved, not just here in Australia, but around the world, um, <coughs> helping us put this together and making it as relevant as possible and making it contextually relevant. Um, but interestingly, we also have a project with the um, uh, UC as well, and... Uh, that's another... That's Esan and he's... Uh, you're going to have... Here he's just there. Put your hand up, mate. Stand up, actually. Why don't you stand up? There he is. That's Esan. Um, come and see him. Um, he'll give you a business card uh, because we are interested in getting as many people as possible. Because the other thing about this methodology that we've developed is it will be open. It will be available for you to use for free. OK? This is not a proprietary system that we are going to have for ourselves... It is going to be available to every public sector government agency to use. Okay? So that's what's going to happen later, latter part of this year. We're going to open it up. So the more contribution we can get from people to help us, to test it, to argue about it, the better it is. And this is a second project that we've got, research project going with UC, which is about that challenge of getting the seat at the table, is getting the methodology considered at the beginning of the policy process not at the end. That's a second process, and here are a number of the other agencies that are involved at the moment. So lots of people getting involved, because people understand that we do now have this wonderful gift 
to be a publisher, to be able to get our stories out there. So lots of people are getting involved. So don't miss out. So there you go. The presentation about content communication to government and the public sector to the communications network here in Canberra, Australia. I really enjoyed the presentation. There were also quite a number of really good questions that followed after that as well. And certainly a lot of people in government very, very interested in how can they can embed this framework to enable better storytelling so government can be better at explaining policies, programs, services and regulations. So thanks again for joining me. We'll be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.